What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the very first edition of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast about your University of Kentucky Wildcats on the growing Go Big Blue Country podcast feed. I'm your host, Sean Smith, founder and editor of GoBigBlueCountry.com. And on the other side of the mic, my co-host, Derek Terry of the Cat's Paws. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. I'm uh, excited for this first episode. So hopefully a start of a a long uh, a long run here, and hopefully we get to watch some sports here soon. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this Derek, this is something we've talked about since, what, April, May? Maybe we had the plan. We actually had the plan of doing this before a pandemic hit. Yeah. And we just, uh, and somebody actually messaged me the other day, and they're like, how are you all going to do a daily podcast in the middle of a global pandemic? Well, <laughs> we hope it gets to the point that it's daily but right now it's going to be as news comes, and then surely if we do play football, we will start having some daily news. Uh, but, but Derek, I guess before we really get into what we're going to talk about tonight, let's sort of tell people about what you do with the Cat's Paws, how long you've been there, and some things about yourself for those who might not know Derek Terry. Yeah, so I, uh, I've been with the Cat's Paws now. Uh, actually, I guess my three-year anniversary is coming up. I don't remember the exact date. It was around this time. It was early August. Uh, in 2017, I've been out of college for a few months. Uh, I went to UK, got a bachelor's in journalism from there, and prior to prior to taking over at the Cats Falls, I'd worked for for Justin Rowland at Rivals on the Cats Illustrated site. Had done that since uh, 20, 2015. But um, you know, really, the day to day grind is you know pre pandemic was like a lot of a lot of other people, mainly basketball and football, uh, kind of drove the news and everything like that. But been riding uh, since I was 15. Uh, went way back and started kind of taking it real serious once I got to college, and I've kind of gone from there. And uh, you know, personally, uh, I'm engaged, getting married in August, or uh, sorry, in May. It's August now, getting married in uh, in May. So that's a big life thing coming up, and more or less just uh, wondering every day, kind of what's going to happen with with us. You know, just in a pandemic, I know everybody, a lot of people, some of you listening, you've probably had your life. Um, I mean, your job perhaps has been affected. Sean and I are no different. I mean, we've kind of been in a weird, weird deal since, uh, since March. So that's a little bit about me. I mean, uh, hopefully as you guys listen every day, you know, you'll kind of pick up on more about me and kind of how I am and whatnot. But for now, that's the gist. And two, I, I guess the, our, our idea behind starting this podcast was we spent a lot of phone conversations, a lot of time on the phone over the last 12 months. And on some of those phone calls, I mean, an hour and a half, two hours. And I think we finally were like, why are we, you know, why aren't we sharing this news and like our, our ideas and things with, you know, Kentucky fans, the people that want to hear what we have to say. And I, I think we probably had 
50, 60 episodes on phone conversations that are just <laughs> lost somewhere. So I was like, all right, let's start this thing. And then we we looked at possibly taking on other daily podcasts, but we decided that we would do something on our own just because of flexibility. And that's where Kentucky Daily comes in. It's kind of wild. We uh, we got this idea of a name like, what, a week ago? And here here we are with a logo. Yeah. Uh, shout out to, uh, I, think it's, I think it's Brandon Owen is who created our logo. It did an excellent job on it. Great logo. Uh, you, very solid. You, you, me and you both came up with some ideas for it and we just, I threw it to him and then he had it back to me within like three days. So a huge shout out to him. Big thanks. Uh, but Kentucky daily, it's going to be a Monday through Friday podcast whenever we do have some content, a daily content, but we've mentioned possibly looking at doing some stuff on Saturdays after some early fo- season football games. So we're going to, we're just going to roll with it and see what happens. And uh, we'll definitely welcome feedback uh, but Derek, the reason we're recording today, so it's Thursday, some big time news broke today, something we had been waiting on for a couple of days. We were wondering why there was a holdup, but we finally know Kentucky's two. Friday. Is it Friday? Oh my goodness, it is Friday. See what I mean? Global pandemic. It, I've been, I actually wrote in my story that it released Thursday. So you need to, I need, you need to write go edit that. Yeah. But who, who even, does anybody even know what day it is anymore? I had to double check. I was like, I'll play golf today. So it probably means it's Friday. So <laughs> So it's Friday. You're right. Gosh, see, what's, what's a weekend like now? I don't even know what a weekend is. So it's Friday. So you may listen to this Friday p.m. You might you may listen to this to Saturday a.m. sometime. Uh, as soon as we're finished, I'm going to put it up. But we now know Kentucky's two additional SEC opponents. It's a 10-game SEC schedule. We already knew eight of them, but now we know the other two. Kentucky's on the road at Alabama. We have no idea when that game's going to take place. It could be the first game. could be the last game. And then Kentucky will host Ole Miss, someone who had, has been at Kroger Field in recent years. Just your initial reaction. What, what do you think about those two opponents? Yeah, I thought I told you this prior, and I had actually done a, a column for the Cats Balls uh, a few weeks ago, or maybe last week when it came out, as to who would make sense for the SEC West, uh, to, or yeah, for the two new opponents. Obviously, it had to be West opponents since they're playing all the East ones, but Alabama was one of those teams that I thought maybe did not make the absolute most sense. I thought it was Texas A&M that – might have made the most sense just given they've never been to Lexington to play. Um, well, let's say never. They have it since they joined the SEC. And they weren't they weren't even going to be coming here for another five years anyway. But Alabama, I thought, made sense. UK hasn't played Alabama since 2016. Um, I haven't really – I think they played them twice now in the Stoops era. So it's not like it's an opponent you see a ton. And I don't think – what year were they supposed to play them? 20 I – think, I think the next one's 24 or 23, yeah. somewhere through there. Yeah. So, and that'll be in Lexington, I believe. It will be. Yeah. Uh, 23, I'm pretty sure, because I think the last one is Kentucky goes to Arkansas and then A&M comes to Lexington in 25. That's right. Yep. So and I think I think I said this to you last week. The intriguing thing about this for all teams in the SEC is you're seeing matchups that you don't traditionally see. I mean, Tennessee, for instance, they, they've traveled to Texas A&M, but now they host Texas A&M. Uh, has Texas A&M ever played at Neyland Stadium? I don't. They haven't. Play. They were supposed to play in 23 was the first year they were going to go there. So you get some things that are intriguing. I think my favorite thing about this, though, is that it didn't mess with those future dates like that you mentioned. Like LSU will come to Lexington now and what we hope will be a packed stadium and an atmosphere, a place they haven't been since, what, 2007 when Kentucky upset them. So I think that was my favorite thing is I I would have hated to see that game played in 
at Kroger Field with maybe 20% capacity or no capacity. We don't know that yet. The UK actually put in their release today that they're going to release that information in a few weeks. But uh, Alabama at Tuscaloosa, it's a, it's a tough game. But I guess, Derek, if you have a season where you're going to play Alabama, would would you sort of prefer it to be in a weird 2020? Yeah, I mean, I guess once games get started, maybe we'll have a better feel of how much different this is all going to be and how it's going to feel. I mean, asking me now here in early August, I would say it wouldn't surprise me if, like, this is kind of a throwaway year. And so it's just going to be so different. You, you hope that no other season's ever like this. So this is going to be a different one than any we've had before. So in some aspects, it's almost like you're playing with house money, I think, if you're UK. Everyone in the country is going to expect you to lose to Alabama regardless. But there's a couple things that could happen. One, I mean, it's not impossible. Kentucky could win. Uh, Probably unlikely. I mean, they're going to be heavy underdogs, I'm sure. But it gives you a chance to, to see how you're going to stack up. You know, this is going to be a year where you think under Mark Stoops that Kentucky's going to be in good shape. Uh, the depth should be very good uh, this season. You, you got some question marks at a certain certain spots, big spots, quarterback. Uh, you know you know who it's going to be. It's going to be Terry. But how's he going to be coming off injury? Things like that. But in a lot of other areas, you're probably as strong as you've ever been. So, this would be a good. This would be a good opportunity. You're going up against a team that year in and year out is one of the very best in college football. You can see how that is. And something I told you earlier, going back to now to Ole Miss. I mean, if you're having a pick, you want to go to Alabama and you want Ole Miss to come to Lexington. You don't want it yeah. to be because you're probably. I mean, I don't want to write off UK. You know, perhaps two months or whenever it might be before this game's played. You know. There's not going to be anywhere outside of Lexington where people probably got to think UK is going to beat Alabama regardless. So you want to have a game at home against Ole Miss that, that's winnable, and I think it's a game Kentucky's going to be favored in. Although I don't think Ole Miss is really a – I think they're somewhat an intriguing team. They're going to be first year under Lane Kiffin, but they had some athletes last year. I mean, they're, they're, they're running back uh, Ely or Early, I forget his last name. One of the two was – one, he's a huge baseball prospect, um, and two, he's a five-star running back. You know, coming out of high school, he'd be in a sophomore year. John Reese Plumley at quarterback, or uh, Matt Corral, one of those two. Both, well, Plumley is very exciting, uh, but Corral was a bigger recruit. You know, the kid who was supposed to go to Florida. They have some talent over there. I don't know if they have the depth that Kentucky has. So I, I thought Kentucky picked up a game. I, I thought it was about as reasonable as you could have expected because I think you get a game at home, you should win, and then you got. You know, it just someone had to someone had to do it. Someone had to go to Alabama and play, and they just happened to be the one. But you know, it could have been a lot worse. You saw some other teams, you know, really, really, I think get the short end of the stick. Whereas UK, you know, I would say probably one and one would be my guess out of that. I think you can win one, and you're probably going to lose the other, but that's okay. Yeah, and when you look at what Kentucky already had, they already had the game at Auburn locked in. They had the annual game with Mississippi State. When when you look at those two opponents you knew you were going to get one of the two. LSU or Alabama was very likely. Uh, initially, we thought LSU, if they had if they had configured the schedule the way that we thought they would at the beginning, but it, it makes sense that Alabama's the team. I think I, I texted you this morning and I said Alabama-Arkansas. I knew it would be the top team and somewhere near the bottom. But, I mean, like you said, you get the two Mississippi schools. It's two teams that I feel like Kentucky has more talent than both of them in Lexington. It's it's two games that they can win. If you can if you could split two and two from those four West games, I, I think that's a win. But who knows? You might still want at Auburn. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. And I think too, 
it'll be very, very interesting to see where these games are placed on the schedule. I think that will play a lot into it. It's it's going to be a 10-game SEC schedule played over the course of 11 weeks, so teams get one by week. That's going to be interesting to watch. What games are back-to-back? Is it Florida-Alabama back-to-back? Is it Alabama-Vanderbilt back-to-back? It, I think that plays a part, too. Oh, it, it absolutely does. I mean, on one hand, you're going to have a more grueling schedule this year than you've ever had. The closest Kentucky's going to come to an off week or a, a gimme game or whatever is Vanderbilt. So when's that game going to happen? You know, I don't – I think Vanderbilt's truly going to be one of the worst teams in Power 5 this year. I mean, they're going to have a, yeah. a, an offense that is near the near the worst in the country. You've got a, a coach that pre-pandemic was certainly on the hot seat. Uh, how much does Vanderbilt care? I don't know in terms of what happens this year. But – that's a game. I mean, you don't. I, I, you know, I think if there's going to be a team that goes 0 10, it's going to be them or Arkansas, who absolutely got shafted, by the way, for <laughs> Arkansas today. Who they draw? They drew Georgia home and Florida on the road. Probably the two best teams in the East. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, you you can throw Missouri in there too. I mean, Missouri, Missouri got Alabama, well. Alabama, and LSU. Yeah, so when, I mean, you, when you look at those team schedules, though, it almost was setting up. Yeah, like you just when you look who who did I looked at it earlier? Missouri had. Arkansas and I think Mississippi State were their two scheduled West games this year, which were two teams near the bottom of the West. So you knew they were getting somebody. But, I mean, getting both of them, which helps Kentucky, because that could that should be two losses mm-hmm. towards Missouri in the SEC standings and a 10-game SEC standings. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. I guess going over the course of, the, of everyone's schedule, other than Arkansas and Missouri – getting the difficult schedule. What is there something that stands out to you when you look at some of those other SEC teams and what they what their draw was? LSU had a fantastic draw. I mean, gets Missouri at home and plays at Vanderbilt, which I think they just went to Vanderbilt last season in 2019. Yeah. So they get to go back. I mean, that's that's a cakewalk for a school like LSU to play those two. Uh, I thought Tennessee and Texas A&M, I thought those were two schools that – I mean, Tennessee's already playing Alabama, and I believe the other – they play Arkansas – so that that helps. You get Arkansas at home. Tennessee's going to beat them. But you had two teams that I those are not locks to win. I mean, A&M at home. I think A&M could be kind of a sneaky team to to compete in the West this year. I mean, they got a senior quarterback in Kellen Mond. Two really good recruiting classes back to back under Jimbo Fisher. So no gimme there. But you know, Tennessee beat Auburn a few years ago on the road. So Jeremy Pruitt's obviously very familiar with Auburn from his time at Alabama. I don't think that's. Uh, a game that Tennessee goes in thinking it's they're not going to be able to win, but I, I, those are those are kind of the ones that stood out to me. Did you have anybody else that, that you thought was either intriguing or, or kind of got the uh, you know a raw deal? Uh, well, we've already I think we've already covered who who got the raw deal. I just feel like that those two programs sort of they take the cake on the the whole thing. I I look at Florida, uh, you know Florida. Going to Texas A&M on the road, I think that's an interesting game. I think they have played in College Station maybe early. I think it might have been when, uh, Johnny Manziel. That's what I was thinking. So that, that's another intriguing matchup that we're getting to see. Um, other than that, I don't really – nothing really stands – I think, like I said earlier, Texas A&M at Tennessee, that's intriguing. That is intriguing. I, do, I, I think Tennessee, their West schedule, I mean, that's, that's a pretty tough draw. You play, already play Alabama – you mentioned Arkansas; they should win that one. But the other two, Auburn, on the road, Texas A&M at home; those are those are some tough games. It, I think the most exciting thing about this is if you take out who's playing Vanderbilt, 
all a lot of these SEC games are going to be very interesting, more than just a couple. You're not going to have many matchups that you can just look at and say, well, this, this team is probably going to get drilled by six or seven touchdowns. There's going to be a lot of games. And like I said earlier, it depends on how these things are laid out. Like does, you know, does Georgia and Alabama play week one? I don't know. Like it, I mean, it could, some teams could get off to a great start. Some could get off to a bad start. And given the setup with COVID-19 and if God forbid somebody does test positive, we don't know what happens. I mean, it changes the outlook on all of this. That's why it's really hard right now to, you know, you can say if nothing is affected, you can, you can maybe put a number on UK's wins. But when I looked at UK's, who they were adding today, I tried to think of it in terms of, you know, kind of the strength of the West. And I feel like they ended up probably drawing the number one, three, and then in some variation, five or six in the West. You know, Alabama, I think, is going to be the favorite in the West. Auburn, like I said, A&M might be able to sneak in there, but I think Auburn's, you know, probably a safe pick to be no worse than fourth. I mean, I think probably third. And then whichever way you want to put the Mississippi schools, they're both better than Arkansas, but not better than those other teams I just mentioned, uh, including A&M. So I think you take that if you're UK. I mean, I, I don't know if you could have done much. I mean, obviously – you would have loved to draw, you know, Mississippi State, uh, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and then you know Auburn's already on there. That would have been ideal, but you're not going to get that in reality. So you got to take the tough game at Alabama, but I think it's worth it with, with these other three teams are playing because I think those other three, even Auburn, I think they can win those. Yeah, I do too. It's gonna gonna be very interesting. Ten SEC games in eleven weeks. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's teams that have depth are going to be the teams that you know have the best chance to have success in a season like this. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, everyone's playing 10 SEC games, regardless of what the schedule looks like. Um, speaking of the SEC, they released their, you know, COVID-19 plans early Friday. I got the day right. I didn't say <laughs> Thursday. Uh, so it was a really busy news day, something that I think that we welcome because we've not had many of those news days, but – when you look over the plans that the SEC announced today, everyone, coaches included, will have a face covering on on the sideline. So any pictures, majority of pictures that you see of Mark Stoops, like are we going to be putting pictures up this year on stories with Mark Stoops wearing an N95 or a cloth face mask? I mean, it's it's going to be very different. I mean, yeah, it will be. Uh, all those guys on the sidelines, and they'll probably get used to that if they're not already because – That'll no doubt be a thing that's happening in practice as well once these teams yeah. get started up. You know, they'll everybody, if you're not used to that mask by now, I mean, most of us have been wearing them for months now. And in settings like that in sports, I mean, you turn your TV on right now, have the Reds on playing in the background. All the managers in the dugouts there, a lot of the players have on face masks. So it's something we're getting, I think, a little bit more used to. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking over some of these guidelines. I mean – I think the SEC has a good plan. You know, they're doing all they can. I think they've really thought it through. But with this virus, there's just – you've seen it with baseball. I mean, there's just a lot of challenges whenever you don't have that kind of insulated bubble like the NBA has. That's not really a feasible thing uh, for college. So there's going to be – inevitably, there's going to be people test positive this season. It's just going to be how much of an outbreak is it within a team, how serious is it, and how many games will be disrupted. I mean, it's just going to be uh, – from that angle – you know, I want to say fascinating, but at the same time, it's people's health. So, you know, you hope that if, if the people who do get it, that they're able to recover quickly and things like that. Um, but how will this, how will it affect the season? I mean, it remains to be seen. How will these protocols change? You know, this will be something that 
this virus and, the, and the, what we've been told about has changed a lot in these last few months, and it'll no doubt change even more as, as we get into the fall. It, it will for sure. Like, there's no one size fits all when it comes to this. No. Like it's it's just different, and it's going to be different across every sport. So like if we play fall sports with volleyball and other sports, I mean obviously the protocols and everything are going to be different. Uh, just looking, you know, at some of the things the SEC uh, put out today, it even all officials shall wear a face mask uh, that will be used when physical distancing cannot be achieved. So like when you're talking, you know, officials moving to the sideline. You know, Mark Stoops gets heated over a flag. I mean, are we going to see people, you know, put on their mask and stuff? It, it will be something that will be different. And then uh, there was one, too, like, I'm trying to think here. All personnel has to stay, I think, six feet away from student athletes. So that sideline box is actually going to extend by six feet both directions mm-hmm. and stuff. So any kind of photographers, whoever's on the field, uh, will have to stay away. So it's very interesting. What did you think about? the testing twice per week. I mean, obviously, the more that we can test these athletes, the better you can sort of control and then manage what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think twice a week is as best as it's going to get. I mean, with the price, it's going to cost to test, uh, what, 100-something people on a roster? I mean, yeah. counting walk-ons every week. I mean, hundreds of tests being performed. And then you add in all the people who – around if you add in the nutritionist, the the trainers who are gonna be around these people who are getting tested a lot. I mean, you should know, you know, you you'll be able to catch it quick if if there's positive tests, you'll be able to get on top of it. And that's a good thing. Um I, I'd say these kids by now are, are probably used to it. I mean they've been tested probably frequently ever since they've been back on campus. So we'll see. I mean my biggest thing and I think it's probably the question a lot of people have is right now UK, no positive tests that we know of for a while. I mean, they've, what they've been doing has been working. You're going to have here soon all the all the public coming back. And I know they're all having to get tested. All the students who are coming to UK this year, they'll have to be tested uh, for COVID before they come here. But, you know, how how is that going to happen whenever all these students get back on campus? I mean, I think you can only expect college kids to, to mingle with their peers. And unless something's done about that, there's always going to be that risk that uh, people can get infected and, and – there could be some positive tests. Yeah, and then this too. I mean, I found this, uh, you know, game balls. There was a game ball section. It was a 12-page uh, sort of just list of protocols. I mean, it was a huge yeah. list. It took me like 30 minutes to really go through all of them because the print's so small. Uh, but here it is. It says game balls. Um, game balls that leave the competition area must be disinfected according to the ball manufacturer's guidelines prior to reentering play. So if someone throws a ball out of bounds, what happens to that ball? I mean, is it? I mean, we're gonna have. There's gonna be so. There's probably. Is there gonna be extra people on the sidelines that are having to take care of these yeah. things? Probably. So I mean, you're gonna see some some probably some new jobs on the sidelines. People, you know, fill goals and things. I mean, it's gonna be definitely. It's gonna be a trial and error thing. I think for those first few weeks. I think the encouraging thing that the SEC has is they're gonna get to watch this play out for a few weeks in other conferences and see how things go. And then hopefully after that period, we see some positive things from other conferences and then the SEC gets to play football. I know for mine and your sake as, you know, sports writers, we hope we have football. Yeah. Well, you know, Sean, I mean, you think about the SEC, it's not starting until September 26th. Oklahoma, I know, has a game scheduled for this month. There are other teams that are scheduled to play in August. Will that still happen? I don't know. But those are things that have happened, like, recently, though. Those were rescheduled games, like, within, I think, in July that were scheduled for August. So 
they'll be able to see that. You're right, but you're just you're talking about the footballs having to be disinfected. I mean, there's there are just so many things that have to be thought about whenever you're trying to put together something like this, and that is why it's going to be hard to know, you know, if some of these things go wrong, can they keep playing? It's just going to be it's going to be a challenge. I mean, we all hope, like you said, we all hope they can play. I mean, that's, that's American, right? I mean, football in the fall. It's hard to even think about what it would be like without it because for for most of us, and if you're listening to this podcast, I have a guarantee you, you either played football or you grew up loving it, probably watching your high school play on Friday night growing up, and then your favorite college on Saturday, and then your NFL team on Sunday. I mean, it's for us during the seasons, I mean, it's our lives. It's, it's what we do every week. And and two, I mean, we're we're pulling for it, and fingers crossed. I mean, I, I think that we've been optimistic for months now. I mean, we we were talking back in April that we're playing football this fall, and then there was a period where we got into June where we were convinced that there wasn't even going to be a, a, any doubt that football is going to be played. And then we, of course, early July. I mean, you're like, I don't know, man. And then now it's shifted back. And at least we see that there's a plan. But I mean, the people that are in charge of these student athletes, Derek. They have a huge responsibility. I mean, we're talking, what if something happens during travel? What if one of these kids gets sick on a road trip? I mean, mid-game, like the morning after warm-up or something after warm-up. So there's stuff in this plan. There's a oscillation protocol for pre-travel, during travel. Uh, I think there's one that even includes if there's something in the middle of a sport, of, of an event. What happens if someone starts feeling ill in the third quarter of a, of a game? I mean, it, there's a lot to, to, that goes into this, and I think that all we can do is just cross our fingers and hope that we keep these kids safe, the coaches are safe. I mean, we're, we're talking about coaches at Kentucky, Derek, I mean, uh, John Schlarman, I mean, who's taken a big chance and stuff on his personal health being out there that we hope that these guys can stay safe. Yeah, then, I mean, for, for yeah, sure, you know. Anyone involved, us in media, if we're there covering games. I mean, we all have decisions to make. And speaking of decisions, we're seeing players opt out at a rate now that's I think is only going to go up over the next couple of days, that I think that we're going to see more than 20, 30 guys a day possibly opt out. Um, looking at Kentucky's roster, you know, Terry Terry Wilson court, sort of uh, made, fit, made fans <laughs> sort of wonder what he meant. Uh, his sister replied to me, on uh, on Facebook and said he could have been talking about his Chipotle order yeah. when he first said and so I mean it's just one of those things where we're going to have to look into those little tweets and think ah is he going to play is he not going to play and honestly it's their decision I mean these kids have more than football to think but he did say that he's all in and I don't know and if somebody for, for some reason somebody doesn't play I mean that's their personal decision I mean this is a big decision for any of these kids you know, you think about Terry and also Brendan Eccles. I saw I had a tweet that was similarly kind of vague about decisions need to be made or whatever. Those are two guys who have announced that they're expecting, you know, their, their kids to be born during this pandemic. I think Terry's was this month, right? I believe it is. right around the yeah. first game was originally right around the kickoff was whenever his child was supposed to be born. So, I mean, that's a lot to think about. You know, I don't know what else is going on with, this is just the things I know on the surface is that, you know, he's announced he's expected to have a child and anybody who's having that right now, you saw some NFL or uh, sorry, NBA guys, uh, you know, in baseball, Mike Trout recently had a child. He decided to play, uh, but he, he was another guy who had talked about prior to the season, you know, didn't really know what he was going to do. So those are things to think about for sure. Um, you know, until anyone from UK says that they will, or sorry, won't play, then I guess there's really no need to speculate on it as to you know, who's going to do what, but you're right. I mean, 
some big names. Uh, the kid at Miami, supposed to be one of the best defensive ends in the entire country, first-round pick. Rondell Moore, a guy who was yeah. freshman at Purdue, was an All-American, one of the best players in the country, a guy who's not going to be playing this year. You know, I, I think it's reasonable to expect that it might happen at UK, although – and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but you, you do like at other schools the trend with the bowl games where kids are sitting out, and this and this has nothing – Obviously, a pandemic versus sitting out one game for your draft stock is a much different thing. But even then, seemingly, it seems like kids at UK want to play these games. I mean, Lynn didn't have to play. He did. Josh Allen certainly didn't have to play. He did. You could say Benny Snell didn't have to play. Benny wanted that record. Benny was going to play. But another guy who was leaving for the NFL, he didn't have to play in that sense, you know, because of stock. But with this, I mean, I think most of these kids are – you probably want to be there, especially if they're not their workouts and everything now. And that That's another thing is you got some schools that might not be doing as good of a job as others. I mean, you've seen Colorado State uh, has had some reports come out that it's not necessarily safe. Locally, EKU, I think has had two kids quit the team yeah. because they didn't like how the things were being and, done. Uh, and, they voiced, and they voiced their concerns over it. Yeah. And I so think that's what you – yeah. And, and that's what you don't want as a program. You don't want to – to do something to where these kids feel like that you're not have their interest at hand, their best interest at hand. I mean, I think that's the one thing, though, that I, I believe we can sort of see with Stoops, and I think we've seen it over the course of this pandemic and during the summer with things, is they're pretty transparent with their guys. Like, they seems like that everything's handled in-house and open with their guys. And, I mean, so far we've not seen anything on social media. These guys are – I mean, they're 18 to 21 year old kids. They're going to tell you how they feel. Yeah. So, I think so the far, culture's very good right now at UK. I really do. I mean, you know, I think they got a lot of really good kids over there. And I've talked to, uh, I think, three or four players since they've been back working out on the record for stories for the yearbook. And all those kids, I think no one's had an issue at all with how things have been done for the workouts. I think they all feel safe. And everybody's doing the best they can, I think, right now over there at UK. They are, and I mean, I'm I'm sure you're like me too. I've, I've been sitting on some football stories, just debating should I put them out there? Because I, I told you last week, my biggest fear was to put out a story about Landon Young and Drake Jackson that I've had for a month and a half now, and then an hour after I put it out, college football season gets canceled, and I'm like, okay, this is <laughs> this is not the best timing. So now that we see that there's a schedule in place, you're probably going to see more stories coming out from you with some features and some things that we now can sort of put out there. I mean, I had an interview with Terry Wilson's mom two weeks ago, and I've been sitting on the interview because, first of all, I wanted to see if he was going to play. And then, two, I mean, even though he didn't even bring up that he wasn't, but, you know, his tweet, I mean, you can sort of, right now, given the circumstances, you you can sort of look at it and say, okay, maybe that's what that's about and speculate. But I think now we finally can maybe talk about some football. We at least will have some matchups to talk about. And uh, and some stuff like that. You're, if anybody wonders why we're laughing, Derek's cat is wanting to join the the podcast. He just popped up on video here. This is actually the good cat too. The one who usually doesn't bother me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely football is on the horizon. Looks like uh, I wish that we were getting set to cover football September 5th, September 7th that weekend. Yeah. But hey, if it happens September 26th, it happens September 26th, and. Uh, Regardless, I'm, I'm ready for some football. Hopefully we play in some capacity. Uh, speaking of the season starting and things, the, the first coaches poll, the preseason poll, released Thursday. I'm making sure I get my days. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Kentucky received 73 votes. I mean, they 
come in, that would be 29th. What do you think about where Kentucky's position in the preseason? I know a lot of people feel like that that's a preseason top 25 team. I think they have the talent to be included in that top 25. Um, probably takes one more solid year, though, to get that, to get that respect to where you want to put them in the top 25, some of these national riders. But, Derek, when you look at where they've been in past years, 29s, that's kind of a lot of respect for Kentucky football, considering where they were. I don't remember the last time they were that high. Really, I mean, in, a, in an official poll like that, and I think that is about right. If, if you were in a situation where you had a more stable situation at quarterback, and what I mean by that is, you know, if Terry Wilson could have had his year last year where you could have seen him play and develop, you would have felt better probably. And, and on a national scale, I know this is the coaches who are voting, those, those polls are always favored towards teams who, one, are good offensively, and two, have notable skill position players. I think that's a big reason that people talk a lot about Louisville. It's very easy to recognize Michael Cunningham as a good quarterback. Tutu Atwell is one of the best receivers. Uh, Javion Hawkins is a, is a very good running back. Top to bottom, are they as good as a lot of the other teams? Like, no, I don't think they're even anywhere near as good as Kentucky top to bottom. But because of that, those are the teams that you hear get a lot of pub. And I, I think it says something that UK is 29th because UK is not a program that is very sexy. I mean, it's a – Grind it out, kind of run the ball, play good defense. You know, not a not a flashy team that's going to score a lot of points that, that the media writes a lot about. But to be seen as 29th, that tells you. I mean, let's say theoretically you play Florida or somebody first game. Florida's a top 10 team, I think eighth. You beat them, you're probably you're, you're probably in a spot where you're moving up to what 15th or so potentially. So yeah, and you I, are. I think it's fun to be in. I think so, too. I mean, you're one good win away from probably breaking in the top 25, regardless of who that first opponent is. So when you look at the schedule, so obviously Kentucky will play number three, Alabama, number four, Georgia, number eight, Florida, number 11, Auburn, and then Tennessee sitting outside the top 25 at 26. So four, yeah, they were, they were tied for the most votes, I believe, right outside yeah, of the top 25. They were. So four – of the top 11 teams in the country. I mean, that's it's a tough schedule. you got to go on the road for three of those. I don't yeah. know if anyone else is doing that. It might be something we're looking into. And two, when you look at going on the road, though, this is the year you probably want to do it because we all know that the stadium is not going to be 100%. I'd be surprised if it's 50%. I, I could see possibly maybe them throwing out the idea of maybe 20%, somewhere through there. Maybe initially see how it goes, or maybe they just watch and see what happens the first few weeks of the season. Do you think that's going to be a uniform decision by the SEC? Because there are some states, obviously, that with the COVID numbers, far worse than some others. Or how do you think they're going to decide that? Well, when you look at it, is it is it fair where one school would have an advantage of fans and another one wouldn't? That's what I'm thinking. Because then you're impacting results, possibly. I mean, let's look back to those rain games at Kentucky last year. There were some games where, what, 30,000 people or less were in the stands just because it was coming a downpour every single yeah. week. Like the, the day that they played Louisville, the crowd wasn't huge because it was raining. The day oh. that they played UT Martin, I mean, there might have been more people at Rupp Arena. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, Kentucky, play, those guys played in those settings last year where there were very few people. That I, I like that. That's a good question, though. It's, it's, I think that's something the SEC is going to have to look at. Is it just is it going to make it a it's ten to fifteen percent everywhere, regardless? 
I mean, like you said, I mean, how how do, how in the world do you have fans in the stands at Gainesville right now with the way things are going? I just I don't know. That's and then again, you you're bringing people in. That's that's more people you have to do temperature checks probably for and screenings when they come in. So I don't know. To me, I'm thinking it's going to be empty. That's going to be my guess. Well, and then two, if you limit it to 15 to 20 percent, that that no way is that even close to being season ticket holder attendance. So how do you go about these season ticket holders and things? Do you put them in a lottery or a pool where there's five home games and somebody gets two, somebody gets I don't I don't know how you do it. Like and then because then somebody's going to get Georgia and then somebody's going to get Vanderbilt and it doesn't yeah. even out with who you're going the game you're getting. So I don't know. Like. UK, that's a tough decision that all these universities have. And then we still don't have no decision on tailgating. We still don't know what's going to take place with that. There's still a lot of decisions that have to be made. And it seems like they're trying to give themselves time, and they're, they're only putting out so much at the time right now. Because how, how can you announce all this stuff at once? I mean, I, I don't think they have all the answers yet, which is a big reason why you know. they're not saying anything out. But also, I mean, if you do the 15 or 20%, I mean, 20%, of people in Texas NM Stadium is much different than 20% fans in, in Vanderbilt Stadium. I mean, so those I mean, that's different anyway. The venues are, you know, there are certain places that are always going to be tougher to play in a normal year than, you know, Vanderbilt is not a very daunting place to play. Most people who go in there have more fans than Vanderbilt has. But, you know, Texas A&M, 20%, I don't know, I don't know what that stadium seats now, but we were down there a couple of years ago, and it is massive. So, I mean, yeah. you can still fit a decent amount of people in there if it's 20% capacity compared to, 20% at Kroger Field, which would yeah. not be very many people. So I mean, you, yeah, you it just seems be... to me like if, if the easiest thing to do to to limit, you know, exposure, I guess. And to me, it's just one less thing you have to worry about, though. If you're trying to get the season going, yes, the money is a big thing. I get that. But you're taking a huge financial hit this year no matter what. I mean, you're just not you're not anywhere near what you usually make. And, and I just kind of think that. It's, it's maybe going to be safest for now, or at least early in the year. We'll see. Maybe things will change. I don't know. But I hope that this is the only year where you really take it on the chin and you say, you know what, I mean, if, if people get to come, great, but it's going to be very limited. I've seen, you know, I think like pro teams have already said, like the Ravens. Like the Ravens aren't having fans this year if they play and everything. I mean, it's State, not going to be a new thing. Penn State, yeah. Penn, yeah. I mean, Penn State said zero. There's no fans getting into Penn State. So when, when you look at that, and like you said earlier too, how how is it fair if one is allowed to have more? Like Texas A and M, definitely more than Vanderbilt gets. But then when you look at things, like how much of that is considered away attendance? Is it just family only? Because when you get Kentucky, let's say Kentucky is able to go to Auburn and they have twenty five twenty percent capacity, like who do you just how do you distribute those tickets? Does Kentucky just get a certain amount of allotment? Because if not, if that's the only game Kentucky fans get in to see, they're probably they would fill the place up if they could. They take all twenty five percent. So that's just a, a lot of decisions have to be made, and I, I think we just uh, go with them one at a time. We will talk about them all on this show. Uh, I think one thing that we can announce to get people excited about next week is I, I text I sent a text message to Chris Doring who has turned into a pretty good friend of mine over the last few years. I think I've had him on the sh- my, my other podcast four or five times Going on in the last couple of years. Can. No, he's not, but I'm telling you, he has been very, very <laughs> – complimentary of Kentucky football every time I've had him on. And you heard him tonight on SEC Network. He mentioned if there's one of those mid-tier SEC teams, and and to me mid-tier is a very respectful thing that I think Kentucky fans should look at because when Mark Stoops got here, it was bottom tier. And now to say you have to get to mid-tier before you can get to top tier. That's just how this works. 
And, you know, he said, if there's one team that you didn't want to pick up in a crossover game, it, Kentucky. I mean, especially in the – I mean, they could go to Bryant-Denny and be no fans in, in the stands. And, I mean, if that game's played early on in the season, I mean, these guys – who knows what happens. I, so I, I'm going to have him on to break it down because the SEC Network had him on. Uh, we're looking at possibly that episode dropping Monday. I'm going to talk to him and see if we can schedule for then. Uh, but he will be coming on this podcast, and uh, that's exactly what this show is going to be, Derek. I know it's going to be a lot like this, me and you bantering back and forth. But then we're going to have some big-time guests on this show. I know you've, you've got a couple other guys. I don't, I don't want to announce until you're ready, but a guy UK fans are very familiar with. Um, you know, we, we hope that once the season gets going in a more normal a uh, more normal year, we will have kind of a, a routine that you can expect. And when you tune in, you should know what's going to be going on. I mean, I think we got some great ideas. I really do. I think this is going to be a, a good, a good podcast. But it's going to be a little sporadic, though, just until. I mean, we're all going through something new right now. I mean, everybody, it's kind of changing by the day. This podcast might be irrelevant two weeks from now. I mean, who knows with with how things are going? But no, we're looking forward to having Chris on. Uh, he's a guy I've not talked to. I've, I've watched on TV, obviously, a bunch whenever I watch SEC Network, but certainly has a history with uh, the 93 game and everything. But that was a long time ago, and I'm sure UK fans have, uh, have softened a little bit on that. And the streak's yeah. over. You know, the streak's over. It now. Is. Well, well, you don't have to hold that. You can let that pass go. He's not all that pango from the past. So, Well, the, 2000, uh, the 2018 season, Kentucky's 10-3 and campaign, I had him on the week before they played Florida. And he was – he told me on that – he said, this this is a game Florida could lose. He said, it wouldn't su- surprise me. And I, I don't know if I even went into that game thinking Kentucky could win in the Swamp. I always thought the streak would end in Lexington, not Florida. But then he came on after the Citrus Bowl. I texted him as soon as the game ended. And I said, hey, I'd like to have you on this week. He said, absolutely. He said, I want to put a bow on this season for yeah. you. And, just, and so uh, he, he's a really good interview. He'll, he'll give some good info, some good – uh, intel not just on Kentucky but some other programs in the SEC and that's what we will do on the show we will have a couple interviews a week with some big names in national media uh, some former UK guys that people will know and some things like that but yeah it's called Kentucky Daily but maybe right now for the next few weeks it might be Kentucky Other Daily I don't know so and we we'll your feedback I mean you know this, this is a podcast we do it because we like talking about sports and that's our jobs but mostly you guys are the ones who are listening you're the ones we do this for so We've got an email set up. Sean, if you want to tell them that, people, you can reach us on Twitter, uh, share our social. I mean, there are plenty of ways this day and age to, to reach us. If you have any ideas, anybody you'd like to hear from, we'll do our best to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, the email is KentuckyDaily at gmail.com. So if you want to offer suggestions, if you're interested in advertising, that is something that we're going to start doing. There's no advertising in this on this episode, of course, but getting started, I mean, that's something that, we hope that you will come on board. I have a feeling that this show will reach a lot of people. Uh, it'll be a mixture. It'll all be audio for sure. Every time we record, it'll go to iTunes. Uh, it's going to be on Spotify, all of those, uh, Google, every podcast thing, that any podcast player that you use, this podcast will be on it. I guarantee it. I promise. Uh, but also a couple of episodes a week, like the one with Chris, we will run it on the Go Big Blue Country Facebook page as a live stream later that day after we record. So it'll be available on video. So we're going to do some things like that. So we're going to, we're going to reach people in different ways. So if you are interested in advertising, just send an email to Kentucky daily at gmail.com, or you can follow and DM me. My DMs are open on Twitter at GVB country. 
and then to my email is gilbyfluecountry at gmail.com. So that's that's all public stuff too. And Derek, tell them where they can follow you. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Derek, D-E-R-E-K-S Terry. Uh, email uh, DerekTerry17 at gmail.com or if you want to use my work email, DerekTerry at catsballs.com. There's plenty of ways uh, you can reach out. My DMs are open. Uh, if you have any have any suggestions or, or whatnot, let us know, and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get back to you. And uh, hopefully uh, there's always good ideas from people who listen. They're always – I mean, that's, that's where you get some of the best ideas. Sean, I know you already had people talking to you before you know, we even did this. Once we announced it, you had people reaching out to you, giving you some ideas. So we want to hear from you. Yeah, and the thing, too, like this this one is actually going to drop on a weekend, which is what someone suggested, is they wanted content to listen to on the weekend. And I, I mentioned this to you the other night. We may look at doing some things like that, like if it fits around our schedule. Sunday is really our only day when it's in season that we actually get to breathe a little. So, like, that's one of those things that maybe after a Saturday football game, we might record something put it out there Sunday morning if, if we can fit it in. Uh, but like he said, we want feedback, positive and negative. But if you like this, hit subscribe. Give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh I like to think we're two good all-around guys. I, I think that uh, we'll give you solid daily content, all sports, and that's what you want. UK Athletics coverage on a daily podcast. You get it here. Uh, this has been the first episode of Kentucky Daily, and we'll see you next week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.